This podcast is part of the Deluxe Edition Network. To find other great shows on the network, head over to DeluxeEditionNetwork.com. That's DeluxeEditionNetwork.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another amazing episode of the Stephen Jarvis and Friends podcast, part of the Deluxe Edition Network. Today, I will be talking about the 1954 kaiju film Godzilla. But before we get to that, I want to say a quick shout out to the Deluxe Edition Network.com, where if you go on there, you will find the podcasts of the month for the month of May, which are The Real Drunks and horsing around. Also, if you're looking for that new crime-type podcast that dives deep into all that, go check out the Broken System podcast with Robert... Hope I say your last name right, Robert Parmer? I think I said that right. Go check him out. He's an amazing, amazing podcaster, just like everyone on the pod, on the network. We're all amazing podcasters, and you, the fans and loyal supporters, and our teams make these podcasts run. Thank you so very much, and let's get into the episode. So, as I said, today I'll be talking about Godzilla, which is a 1954 film is what I'll be talking about. And that being said, Godzilla is a 1954 Japanese kaiju film directed and co-written by Ashiro Honda with special effects by... I can't say his last name, I'm sorry. Produced and distributed by Toho Company Co. Ltd. It is the first film in the Godzilla franchise. The film stars Akira Takarda, among many others. In the film, Japan's authorities deal with the sudden appearance of a giant monster who attacks trigger fears of nuclear holocaust during post-war Japan. Godzilla entered production after a Japanese-Indonesian co-production collapsed. Originally proposed for a giant octopus before the filmmakers decided on a dinosaur-inspired creature, Godzilla pioneered a form of special effects called suitmation, in which a stunt performer wearing a suit interacts with miniature sets. Principal photography ran 51 days, and special effects photography ran 71 days. Godzilla premiered in Nagoa on October 27, 1954, and received a wide release in Japan on November 3rd. It was met with mixed reviews upon release, but was a box office success, winning the Japanese Movie Association Award for Best Special Effects. The film earned 183 million yen, in distributor rentals, making it the eighth highest grossing Japanese film of that year. In 1956, a heavily re-edited Americanized version titled Godzilla King of the Monsters was released in the United States. The film spawned a multimedia franchise that was recognized by Guinness World Records as the longest-running film franchise in history. The character Godzilla has since become an international pop culture icon. The film and have been largely credited for establishing the 
template for Tokosatu Media. Sorry if I said that word wrong or if it if I said a wrong word, I'm sorry about that. The film received reappraise in later years and has since been regarded as a cinematic achievement and one of the best monster films ever made. The film was followed by Godzilla Raids Again, released on April 24th, 1955. So the plot of this movie pretty much is you see some fishing boats that are mysteriously um destroyed and it usually there's few survivors and one time there's only one um and the fishing industry in Japan kind of drops to zero and it's being blamed on an ancient sea creature known as Godzilla um reporters arrive on Odo Island to further investigate a villager tells one of the reporters that something in the sea is ruining the fishing that evening a storm strikes the island and destroys the reporter's helicopter and Godzilla briefly seen by some of the villagers destroys 17 homes and kills nine people and 20 of the villagers livestock Odo Island residents traveled to Tokyo to demand disaster relief the villagers and the reporters evidence describes damage consistent with something large crushing the valley the government sends paleontologist Yamame to lead an investigation on the island where giant radio- radioactive footprints and a trilobite are discovered. The village alarm bell is rung and Yamame and the villagers rush to see the monster but retreat after they see that it is a giant dinosaur. Yamamane presents his findings in Tokyo, estimating that Godzilla is 50 meters tall and evolved from an ancient sea creature becoming a terrestrial creature. He concludes that Godzilla has been disturbed by underwater hydrobomb testing, hydrogen bomb testing. Debate ensues about notifying the public about the danger of the monster. Meanwhile, 17 ships are lost at sea. Um, they later dispatch frig frigates to, uh, kill the monster using death charges, but, um, the scientist wants Godzilla to be studied. Uh, Godzilla later survives the attack, um, and later officials go to the scientist and ask him for ideas to kill the monster, and... The scientist later says that um, Godzilla is unkillable, has survived hydrogen bomb testing, and must be studied. Um, Imiku decides to break off her arranged engagement to Yamamane's uh, colleague, Dr. Sarazawa, because of her love for uh, Ogata, who is a salvage ship captain. Um, when a reporter arrives and asks to interview Sarazawa, Emiko escorts the reporter to Sarazawa's home. After Sarazawa refuses to divulge his current work to the reporter, he agrees to give Emiku a demonstration of his recent project if she keeps it a secret. The demonstration horrifies her, and she leaves without mentioning the engagement. Shortly after she returns home, Godzilla surfaces from Tokyo Bay and attacks Shinagawa. After attacking a passing train, Godzilla returns to the ocean. 
um, Godzilla later comes back um, and I mean, the Japanese self-defense forces try and create an electrified fence big enough for um, to kill Godzilla, but it doesn't work. Um, and more of the Tokyo is destroyed. I mean, it it's literally in rubble and nothing can stop them. Um, there's a lot of survivors after this attack that have radiation sickness um, and distraught by the devastation. Imiku tells Ogata about Sarazawa's research, a weapon called the Oxygen Destroyer, which disintegrates oxygen atoms and causes organisms to die of a rotting asphyxiation. Imiku and Ogata go to Sarazawa to convince him to use the Oxygen Destroyer, but he initially refuses and explains that if he uses the device, the superpowers of the world will surely force him to construct more Oxygen Destroyers for use as a superweapon. After watching a program displaying the nation's current tragedy, Sarazawa finally accepts their pleas. As Sarazawa burns his notes, Emiku breaks down crying. A Navy ship takes Ogata and Sarazawa to plant the device in Tokyo Bay. After finding Godzilla, Sarazawa unloads the device, cuts off his air support, and takes the secret of the oxygen destroyer to his grave. Godzilla is destroyed, but many mourn Sarazawa's death. Yamame believes that if nuclear weapons testing continues, another Godzilla may raise, rise in the future. And that's pretty much... Um, that's pretty much the plot of the whole movie. Um, it was pretty much... How Godzilla came about was what had happened um, after... America had dropped the atomic bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki uh, to end World War II. And, and I'm not being political about this, but that's where the idea of this movie came about. Um, and it's a great movie. Granted, a lot of people say, well, back in 1954, it's so much different than what it is today with CGI and all that. That's what makes it a better film, in my opinion, is that it didn't have to rely on CGI. You had a person in a Godzilla suit stomping on miniature buildings or little tanks, and then they just made them the tanks look bigger. And um, this movie would later spawn off many more sequels, including Americanized versions of the films. Um, and... The latest one we just had was Kong versus Godzilla or Godzilla versus Kong, which was a remake of the original King Kong versus Godzilla, which I don't know if I've talked about that on the channel yet, but if I haven't, I will talk about that some other time. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much what, um, pretty much what the whole film's about. Um, you can really see what it symbolizes in that, of a nuclear holocaust from Japan's perspective. Um, and it's a strong metaphor against nuclear weapons. So hopefully you all like this, like the episode, 
sorry, but I'm going to be doing another one that I'll I'll film two today, which this is the, the first one. Next one will probably be about Jaws or something. Um, because on Saturday, me and my wife are moving to a new place. And then Tuesday, I'm getting internet at the new place. So I'll be back on Tuesday. Um, but thank you so very much for watching this. Uh, thank you for supporting me. Thank you also for showing this podcast that you love it. Um, like I said before, if you want to see other great podcasts like this one here, go to the Deluxe Edition Network where you'll find the May podcast of the month, which are Horsing Around and The Real Drunks. Also, go check out many other great ones. There's so many on there. There's too many to even list off. But a few that I truly like are the Deluxe Edition podcast, the Talking Shit Show with Brian and Mark, um, Quad Pro Quo, Spoil My Movie, and The Broken System. One's pretty good. I also like Deep Dark Secrets podcast. That's a really good one. Um, so yeah, thank you so very much. And I will talk to you next Tuesday. This podcast is part of the deluxe edition network to find other great shows on the network, head over to deluxe edition network.com. That's deluxe edition network.com. <laughs>